Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop Podcast. I'm Tess Brigham, one of your hosts. I'm a psychotherapist, and I'm here with my sister. Hi, this is Brooke Brigham, (laughs) and I'm an attorney. You know, I think the last episode we forgot to say, this is a podcast (laughs) about about pop culture through the lens of an attorney and a psychotherapist. So thank you so much for being here. Today we're going to talk about the documentary House of Hammer, and we're going to talk about Armin Hammer and the Hammer family and what's been going on with Army Hammer in these this last year. Um, and yeah, it's yet another, whew, boy. It's a doozy. It's a doozy of a documentary. It's a doozy of a situation. It's a doozy of a family. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't seen the document, it's actually a three-part docu-series on Discovery+. Plus. And um, I don't know. We should maybe should we should give some warnings here. Um, it, there's <laughs> it this every type of horrible thing you can imagine mm-hmm. is in this docu series. Yes. Um, but you know, well, let's just start out by you know if you don't know who Army Hammer is, he is an actor. Yes. He became known to the world i think when he uh played um the twins the the winkle is it winkle foss winkle winkle voss so the in the movie the social network about how facebook started and um the premise was that it was these twins had the Mm -hmm. idea for facebook and mark zuckerberg stole it from them or Something along Something those lines. Along those it's lines. been a minute since I've seen that. <clears throat> anyway, that show. was yeah, that was his big break. I think he had been, you know, working trying to be an actor for a while, and then he did this independent film, "Call Me by Your Name," which got a lot of attention. attention. In twenty, was that twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen? I think right that that he was someone because he's very much he looks like a movie star. He's yeah, tall, very he's handsome. blonde, and he's handsome. 
from this very prestigious family. And apparently after the social network, he did the Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp. And that was a bomb. He did man from uncle. And that was a bomb. They had put him as the leading man in a bunch of films that did not work. And so they're like, well, let's try an independent film where Mm -hmm. he's a gay man. And of course, even that movie is problematic because it's it's about an adult male's relationship with a boy who's 16, 17. So, yes, it's consensual, but he's still underage. So that's a whole other ball of yeah, wax. But te- that was a movie. Technically, it's not consensual. <laughs> um, uh, but legally. Yes. So... But that was a big, big deal. Oscar buzz. It was... He was, you know, the thing. And But he hasn't really been doing much no. i don't remember i know that he his wife had a bakery in montecito you know he's from this very prestigious family she the wife is very beautiful he has two kids and then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and he uh he and his wife get divorced they announce that they're divorcing and then less than a year later some stories start coming out um about army hammer about him um you know with starting these relationships with several young women that are i don't know even know how to begin who where he is talking about bdsm and cannibalism and you know making comments like i want to what is it i want to remove your rib rib, find a doctor to take out your rib and and eat it barbecue and yes sorry barbecue yeah sorry so i think it 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 started from what I saw some texts leaked mm-hmm. out that he had sent to these women and then slowly, yeah, the, like more and more women were coming forward. Realized one person said something. Yeah. Yeah. Their stories or um, started to come out and, um, and they also corroborated each other and, and supported each other. And, and that's how it really yeah. started to take off because the first person, I think it was house of Effie. She was, she, is the first one who started talking about this and then people started calling her a liar and then someone else came out and said no 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 wait a second i have the exact same story exact same texts right and, and then so- some people discovered um wait a minute like there's a book mm-hmm. that was written by his aunt casey hammer and she wrote the book many years ago like mm-hmm. 10 years ago or 15 years ago and it was it was all about her family, the um, Hammer family. And she, she did it as a therapeutic thing to try to heal from all of the trauma of her childhood. And in the book, she talks about her father and her grandfather, you know, kind of exhibiting the same mm-hmm. types of behavior. And so then it, it all started getting put together. And so just to give a little more family history, so Armin Hammer was a... Um, a Russian Jewish immigrant to this country. He didn't have money right away. So he had one child with his first wife. He only had one, one child. And um, it was actually his third wife who had money Mm -hmm. and she gave him money to invest in this petroleum company, Oxy petroleum. Mm -hmm. And he um, made a lot of money. And people talked about him like he was a billionaire. But then when he died, they discovered he didn't really quite have as much money as people mm. thought. I think he only had like $40 million or something. Only $40 million. <laughs> Only $40 million. But people kept 
calling him a billionaire, but more than the money, he was just somehow very powerful and had was friends with everybody, knew everybody, was friends with presidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles and Diana mm-hmm. were some of his biggest. Um, uh, he you know gave money to their charities, yes. and so they were friendly with them and um, hosted them when they came to America and. Uh, so he was very powerful in the sense that he had, you know, friends in very high places. He was friends with President Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Well, he was also part of the Nixon Watergate scandal because I think he paid someone off. Yeah. He paid someone off during the Nixon scandal. Then he got in trouble for it. And then Bush, the first one, George H., pardoned him. Mm-hmm. When he became president, because when he became president, and of course, Bush was friends with Arm and Hammer as well. Yeah. So it just went, it went on and on and on. But he amassed his, I mean, there's also some, they didn't, they got into it a little bit in the documentary about that it's possible that he was part of the Arm and Hammer or Arm and Hammer's, Arm and Hammer's father was part of the Communist Party and that they were selling secrets mm. and it, very, very shady. But, um, he amassed this fortune. He has had a son, Julian, mm-hmm. who it sounds like he never really accepted completely. Like he had a paternity test done. Like I think that he he didn't know if Julian was really his son, but he was. And Julian had um, two children, Casey and Michael. And Michael is the father of Army. Right. Um, so, and then the dysfunction just goes way back to the beginning. So yeah. it did not start with Army. So the the son, Armin Hammer's son, Julian, you know, he it seems like he, I don't think he ever, like, I don't think worked he did anything. or did anything. No. He was just, you know, kind of a rich kid. And, and a drug addict. A I think, drug I think, addict. I think alcoholic. he was an, yeah, I think he was an alcoholic drug addict and a rich kid. And I think that, that I get the sense that the... Arm and Hammer, I think, has always been really disappointed in him that yeah. he was not wanting maybe to get into the family business or be a tycoon or any of that. That he basically was just spent his life partying and lived in this house in the Pacific Palisades and wore pajamas like Hugh Hefner and mm. saw himself as like the Hefner of the Palisades. And he was a playboy and yeah. a playboy with wealthy people and women and everything else coming over to his house, and he never really did anything. But Arm and Hammer, because he was the head of his household, he controlled everything with the money. You know, so everything was there was always some drama. With yeah, money. And Julian was it, yeah, it was Julian who he killed somebody. Yes, and his father paid off somebody, and then miraculously the charges were reduced from murder to manslaughter, and I don't know, he didn't do any, didn't didn't do any prison time or anything, but that was the kind of power, and, you know, especially in Los Angeles, you know, and so, like, if the police were ever called to their house or anything like that, Mm -hmm. you know, they would show up and they would go, oh, you know, this is, you know, Arm and Hammer's son, and they would just leave, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so Julian married and, um, you know, had the two two children. But he was horribly, horribly abusive. Right. He was a very violent alcoholic addict and very abusive towards 
Casey and Michael's mom to the point where Casey's talking about them running off, going to a hotel, escaping, but always coming back because, again, they were controlled by the money. You know, um, dad, you know, Armin controlled the money over Julian and Julian controlled the money over the wife because, you know, I mean, obviously you marry this man and you're not working, but you have no means of like escaping with these children because you have no money, no education, no nothing. Right. At one point, um, the wife, I can't remember her name, but she left and left with her daughter, Casey, and they didn't return. Yeah. Um, and then... And only it, had to pay, Julian only had to pay the mom like $200 a month or something. Right. And child no support child because support. they got... Because Armin Hammer hired his son, one of the best lawyers, and they managed to screw her over. Right. And then the son, Michael, Michael. Army's dad, stayed with his father, Julian, and just kind of became part of this playboy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, as a teenager, was just partying alongside his father. Yeah. And uh, Casey eventually started going back there to, you know, visit. But, yeah, the... Julian was violent. He uh, was violent. You know, he'd get totally drunk, high, whatever, just go on these violent rages, Mm -hmm. just out of control, horribly abusive. Um, He he apparently was not only physically abusive, but he was um, molesting his daughter, Mm. Casey. Which she doesn't get into in the documentary. I don't know how much she gets into it in the book, but... She she does say oh, she does yeah well no she talks about being she talks about being abused by sexually abused by her father but in the documentary she didn't get into it she was just like that's all I'll say about yeah that. she didn't give details but she did she did confirm because they mm-hmm. asked her mm-hmm. were you yeah. um, sexually abused by your father and she said yes and um, but she also had this this loyalty to him. And when he was old and he was dying and everyone else had fallen away, mm-hmm. she was the one who took care of him, even though he was still abusing her. She mm-hmm. tells this story about how she was staying with him at his house. She she said she was staying with him because she was afraid he was going to kill himself. Mm-hmm. But he was every hour on the hour waking her up at night pointing, oh, yes. a, pointing a gun to her head mm-hmm. and just all these strange things and she she stayed mm-hmm. and um so because that, well and she talks about this too which is just if you grow up in the if you grow up in this atmosphere if this is family if right. this is what you know and this is how family treats each other then of course it wouldn't to anyone else it would seem like why would you stay but to her i think this was the norm the yeah. norm of this of this family of what was going on. So then when the father, so, so Michael marries, what's army's mom's drew drew. That's it. I was like, it's a, it's a genderless name. So he, he marries drew. And then it seems very fishy, but when arm and hammer finally dies, they read the will. Casey hammer gets 250,000. Um, Julian, the son gets 500,000 and then Drew and Michael, the grandson and the wife, are now the executors of the will. So Michael somehow kind of weaseled his way in and now is control. Like the, the Arm and Hammer skipped over his son, went to his grandson, 
and let the grandson um he's be like the executor. Control. Yeah, he was the executor of the estate, but then he's also he Andrew are the trustees of the Arm and Hammer Trust, mm-hmm. which um, you know, is supposed to be a charitable trust and you know, doles out money, but obviously they, you know, they're the only ones in control. And yeah. They, they've and then kind Jul- of looted everything. Yeah. And I guess because Armand Hammer dies and then Julian, I want to say, dies like four or five years after. I mean, it's it's one of those things like he was, com- you know, he's completely written out of the well. And I think that's why Casey was staying with him, too, was just he here was this guy who had no, you know, addict, alcoholic no and money. no money, no, had had no means of support, no money and no way of taking care of himself and obviously loved guns, and she, you know, he spent the last five years of his life, I guess, just deteriorating. Yeah, and so Michael's wife, apparently, she, they're both these evangelical Christians. Yeah. And this was a strange thing, because um, Hammer, he was Jewish, and th- I didn't quite understand this in the documentary. They said something about how he had been planning a bar mitzvah because he was never, he was never, he never had a bar mitzvah because he was, you know, he was fleeing, um, you know, Soviet Russia at the time. And, but then Michael and his wife claimed that on his deathbed, he, he renounced his Judaism Mm -hmm. and said he accepted Jesus as a savior. Yeah. And that, you know, he died a Christian and that was weird. Yeah. Um, so it's a little it's it's a little unsure about that um, the uh, uh, the will at the end there like what happened if yeah. Michael and Drew kind of came in and took advantage of a a man who was not completely there um, but and so they had does Army have siblings he has a brother he has a brother okay I don't remember his name so and then they go off to the Cayman Islands so that was the other thing like Army was raised partially in the Cayman Islands, which, you know, because I guess the father, the father was obsessed with that John Grisham novel, <laughs> The Firm, <laughs> which I think that the firm introduced the Cayman Islands to so many to people. everybody, yeah, and offshore accounts. Offshore and- accounts and Red Stripe, <laughs> the beer. So, um, so yeah, and then they went out there and then Army decided I want to be an actor and I'm going to, and here I go. And here we are. And he was really, you know, he he was he was on the precipice. I mean, he he would have just kept acting and going if all of this stuff hadn't come out. Yeah. yeah. And so he had this army had this style or this pattern of what he would do. Now he started doing this when he was still married. Mm-hmm. He would find you know these beautiful women on the internet and. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, because I don't think he any of these things started in real life. No. Yeah, they somehow. I don't think he met any of them. He'd find them on the internet and he would start love bombing them. Just well, yeah, sending them tons and tons of texts about how beautiful they were and you know just uh, love bombing. Mm-hmm. And then he had this habit where he would you know whisk them off. You know they'd meet in person. He'd whisk them off to. Some hotel. His well, first to like twenty nine palms or his friend owned Joshua it. Tree. Yeah, one of these out in the desert. So out in the desert, and you know they they would just 
to be doing all he just shower yeah. them with attention and doing all this fun stuff all around the you get on the scooter and scooter around and i think you know especially for some of these women it was 2020 so not much you know for a lot of people yeah, there's nothing going on nothing going on and here you are with this handsome actor on a scooter scootering around <laughs> in the desert out in the desert and then um he and this is the next part. And then he starts making these, you know, he starts to kind of slowly slip things in. Like, yeah. I'm going to get these bindings. I'm going to get this rope. I'm going to, like, yeah, will you let me tie? I don't even know if he really asked, but he would just bring up the topic of, you know, I want to tie you up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at this point, they're thinking, oh, okay like <laughs> you know they, they don't know what they they don't know what's happening he's grooming them yeah you know he starts introducing all of these well concepts and, to them and i think one of the things that he does that's really which i think i'm glad the uh documentary points points this out is he really introduces them to the all of this to these women as this is bdsm right this is a you know this is a master slave or dominant you know um relationship and so i'm gonna be the dominant and you're my slave and this is bdsm and uh, you know let's get the ropes and let's do this and that so i think he sells them this idea of much like playboy did which is like this is sexual fantasy this is freedom this is this this you know i'm into this kind of stuff like 50 shades of gray right. isn't this isn't this cool and um but what he's doing goes against all of the rules of um bdsm and that lifestyle right he doesn't have you know part of bdsm is before you even do anything yeah you know before you even take your clothes off you have boundaries mm -hmm. you talk about it you talk about the boundaries, you have a safe word. If something's getting out of control, you're uncomfortable. You say that word and they uh -huh. know that that's serious. You have to stop. And the submissive wants to be the submissive. Like right. the submissive it's their is, fantasy. and it's their fantasy. This is what they want. They want to be dominated and they outline the rules of how they want it to be. Listen, someone can come at us because I'm considered what they call vanilla. So I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I've had clients over the years who were part of these communities. And the one thing is, it's so funny, people talk about like polyamorous relationships and talk about, you know, non-monogamy. And what I always say to people is, is that you've got to recognize that none of the, the, the backbone of all of this isn't sex. It's actual communication. It's talking. Like mm -hmm. if you're going to be in a non-monogamous relationship, you're going to have to communicate, communicate, communicate. You have to know what your feelings are. You have to be able to say what your boundaries are. You have to be able to feel comfortable saying what your boundaries are. The, the non-monogamous polyamorous, like these relationships work because the people that are a part of them are number one, agreeing and want to be a part of it. But number two, they are communicating and talking about everything all the time, probably more than people even think they thought they would. And I think this is the thing about the army hammer stuff that is so wrong is, is that he comes in with this idea of like, Ooh, this is kinky. This will be this and that. And really he, he's just, you're being a predator. You're being yeah. a mom, you know, torturing. You're, you're a rapist. He's torturing, torturing them. them. And, and like he introduces things to them while they're tied up. Mm -hmm. So Which like is so wrong. One woman 
was talking about how, you know, as she's, you know, she's tied up, she's completely helpless. She, and he says, he just tells her, I'm going to um, carve my initials. Oh, yes. Into your body. And he literally got a knife and carved an A mm-hmm. into her flesh while she's tied up. Yeah. That was the, you know, so he, this was not BDSM. This no. was, this was just him dominating, torturing, controlling, um, treating these women as if they weren't human. Mm-hmm. And it was a pattern yes. <laughs> in that all the men in this family treated women, especially horribly. Mm-hmm. They were ab- just abusers and, um, and that's what he was doing. Well, and one of the weird things, and some of the women talk about this, is that they would be dating Army, and then he would introduce them to his mom. It was so weird. Like, two of these women who he had pretty short relationships, where right. he met them on the web, short relationships, he introduces them to the, his mother, which seems bizarre. So I was like, what's her part in all of this? Like, why do you... Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why? What is your mom in all of this? That you're like, is this part of your mom's kink too? Like, does your mom want to meet these women secretly? Kind of. I, I was trying to understand this. Like, you you don't need to. These women are aren't begging to meet your mother. Like, you're the one who was introducing them to your mom, knowing that you're you know you've got someone else on the side over here. You're going to introduce to your mom too. It makes zero sense. Other than is mom. A part of this or is this some weird part of your fantasy where you want to introduce your mom to these women and then what go home and tie them up i don't get that yeah because the main um victim that is in the documentary is this woman named courtney um and the documentary you know follows her whole relationship with him and yeah she said that when she met his mother you know like a few weeks after they started dating um she re- she said he that the mom revealed some very private information mm-hmm. that about the dad yeah cuz the it, about michael they she yeah she said something she was making excuses for michael and saying something about well he can't help it it's because that he was abused or mm-hmm. i think she disclosed that he had been Sexual- sexually abused yeah by must have been julian maybe or some and someone some else party someone yeah. who's at one of these oh god that's parties. right he was at these house parties yeah. yeah oh and the parties that were there yeah it was like they were orgies and like cocaine at the door and mm-hmm. you know these drug fueled so yeah he probably was abused by all kinds of different people but um yeah so the mom seemed to kind of, yeah she seemed to be sort of in on it. Yeah. It was kind of it's part of very it. Very weird. I don't quite understand that. But yeah, and he, he had this MO and he did this with Courtney and then he did it with the other girl, which I forget her name, the model. Very pretty. They're all really beautiful. Yeah. I, all of these women. Time, one, I feel like the girl, the one that was House of Effie, I think that she never met him in person. I think these were all of these exchanges back and forth oh yeah because at the end they showed her living in new york and yeah she said something about how you know thank goodness i never actually Mm -hmm. met up with it because she got some kind of a you know weird feeling and Mm -hmm. it was like no you know he was pursuing her and and she decided not to but 
Yeah, and then there was the that other girl. It's really bothering me. I can't remember her name, but um, yeah, they had no idea what they were getting into. They mm -hmm. just knew this is a, this guy's famous, and he's showering me with attention. Yeah, and, and even then, like the, they knew when he started hitting them up, they said like, "Oh, but I knew he had a wife. I knew he had children, and I thought that was weird." And um, I mean, I'm sure that there were other women that went with him knowing <laughs> that he had a wife and children. But, um, yeah, I think they they went into it thinking like, oh, this is fun. This really famous person is interested in me and wants to be with me and isn't this exciting. And um, and then all of a sudden this, this, this happens. And what's interesting is none of these relationships last very long. I mean, right. he really goes, he must go from zero to 60 pretty darn quickly. Yeah. He, so th there's yeah. not a lot of build up. Because, because he's severely, he's abusing them. And then they go, oh, my God. And yeah, they, they split. You know, uh -huh. this is, yeah, it can't last very long. Because once you do yeah. that to somebody, yeah. they're going to they're gonna leave, you know. So, and then they're left, these women are just sort of left with, well, who's going to believe me? And I didn't say no. And I went to his, you know, I said a yes to going to 29 Palms. And we'd had, and I'm sure they probably like, we had sex before. So let me just bury it and let me forget. And I'll just keep pushing forward um, until it all came to a head. So then Army Hammer does what all celebrities do, which is they go to sex addiction rehab <laughs> rehab for drug addiction and sex addiction and all of these other things, which again is ridiculous um, because that's not none of that's not at all what this is any of this is really about. And um, and then he comes back out, and uh, now we don't know who knows. I mean, I often think, oh, will he ever have a career again? And it's like, well, you know, Mel I Gibson think, is in movies. I don't I know. I think he will. And there's more and more. I don't know. People people still want to, I bet you people still are hiring Bill Cosby to come and talk at their thing. Or, I don't know. Roman Polanski kept getting work. I mean, Woody Allen. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really, I think if he has the right PR um, machine, I think he'll he'll come back. He's doing all the right things. He's you know going to this rehab. He's um, being contrite, and I think he'll it, we'll see him. In you think some, I'll see him again? Some kind of you know he'll probably start out with some sort of small you know independent film or something like that. But uh, I do. I think if he wants to come back, I think he will. Yeah. I don't know. It, the whole thing is just, it's just yet again, another whole generations of men who just can get away with whatever they want. And we just keep pushing forward. Yeah. What else is new? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously when he was growing up in the Cayman islands, whatever he saw his father doing, mm -hmm. we don't really get the, the documentary, you know, spends a lot of time talking about Julian not so much about Michael, like what was going on in their house that yeah. sent Army the message that whatever you want, you can just have, yeah. you can take, you can use people. Um, I don't know that 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 was kind of a missing piece. I thought. Yeah, that's why I wonder if it's both mom and dad. Like, if you're introducing people to mom, like what what's 
what's happening here. And then we don't know anything about Army's brother. And so was he unaffected by everything? The brother is the brother able to just jump out of this. Okay. I, I don't know. Well, maybe don't we know. don't see the brother because he doesn't want to have anything to do with yeah. these people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so that his aunt, uh, Casey, who wrote this book, you know, she, she put it all out there. Mm-hmm. She spilled the whole thing and, you know, all this, all the details that mm-hmm. we've been talking about and that are out there now, they all come from her. Yeah. And she has no, I mean, she talks about this, like not having a family. She has no family. Like they really just, she's the person per, persona non grata. She's pushed out. Um, no one really talks to her. Yeah. Michael and I feel told, for her. Yeah. Michael told her when she released the book that basically, you know, yeah, you're done. I'm, you know, I'm never speaking to you again. You're not a part of this family. And so, you know, she has nothing to gain by <laughs> with any of this. And, and I'm sure it's very embarrassing for her. And well, yeah, I mean, and you can see she's, what is she in her 60s? 60 you know, yeah. 60s and just how visceral. And I mean, that's the one thing you see with these documentaries and about trauma and pain is is that when you talk to someone about it, it's almost as if, as if it's just happened that the day before. I mean, it is so, um, it, you know, while people heal and they get better and they move forward, the feelings are just always right there on the surface. And um, that's the thing about trauma is is that it doesn't. It doesn't ever really truly go away. It's about how it's how you choose to think about it and process it and feel about it. Mm-hmm. That's really what changes for people. But I am always amazed when I see between this documentary and the Playboy documentary and all of them, women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, who are reliving moments that happen in their 20s as if it would happened, you know, yesterday. Yeah. Because it's always so there on the surface. So, I don't know. I just, it's, what, what is going on? What, I mean, I think the thing is, is obviously all of this has been happening under our noses for decades and decades. Since since time began. Since time began. And I don't know. I just feel so stupid and naive or, God, I mean, wow, we were really very lucky. I feel lucky, yeah, because... Yes, the all, all of these stories you just think, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky, thank God, like Yes. But it it's it's depressing mm-hmm. because when you think about like you said the number of people just living with this kind of trauma. Yes. and have never been able to speak about it and you know, we're in a time right now where it is safe to speak about these things. It, well, suddenly it's it's okay. It's okay to be, it's okay to talk about these things. Right. Yeah, you're right. Because there are so many other people who have been mm-hmm. through it. And we, we're all now being brought together by the internet. And, you know, one of the good things about the internet mm-hmm. is people realize they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to just suffer in silence and wonder, like, am I the only person who who feels like this? So that's one good 
Well, did you read the the book, Oprah's Oprah's latest book, What Happened to You? Yes. And so I think that's really important when they talk about, um, she wrote this book with, and I've forgotten his name, Dr. Bruce, God, I can't remember his last name, but he's a neuro, um, um, he's a doctor, he's a neurosurgeon, no, not a surgeon. Oh, like a neuropsychologist? No, like psychiatrist. Sorry, this sound like real idiots here, but he's 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 a brain doctor. He's a brain doctor. <laughs> and so in so many ways, he's a brain doctor. Very bright. He um he studies children, and what he he in the book is very much about this conversation in a way between Oprah and and this doctor, and they're talking about for so long the attitude was what's wrong with you, right? And the attitude now is, or what we need to be saying to people now is, what happened to you? Not what's wrong with you, what, you know, why do you see the world this way or why are you the way you are, but what happened to you that got you to this place? Because we're not born like this. We're not, certainly, you know, there are these exceptions where people are born, you know, with something off and, and then the right, they get into the right setting and then that just helps it explode, right? Um, uh these serial killers and that kind of thing. That's a different separate. We're going to push those aside. But the majority of the people that were, that are born, for example, when Julian was born or Michael was born or army was born, they were not born with this drive and desire to treat women this way, to tie people up without their consent, to do these things that it's something has happened to you that got you to here. Right. And what is that? Because trauma changes your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they talk about like big T trauma and little T trauma. Like, because a lot of people think trauma has to be something big. Yes, you know this. Yes, horrific thing. But usually, it's more like it's like death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all these little these little traumas that add up. Or even little traumas, what we consider little traumas, are not so little, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, someone bullying you, and maybe they never touch you, they don't beat you up or take your lunch or your money, but they're they're making fun of you or they're ridiculing you, you know, maybe once a day, a little bit at a time, or an older sibling that is picking on you constantly, or a parent that maybe isn't... isn't, quote-unquote, abusing you in the traditional they're sense, very but they're critical. very critical or verbally abusing you or chipping away at you. Like, those are... People are experiencing these variations of what you're saying, the big T trauma and the little T trauma all the time. And... But it's... it's I think the other part of it is, and I think what we're seeing a lot, especially with these women in these documentaries and what they're talking about is is they're having these traumas and then going to the powers that be and the powers that be are shutting them down and saying, no, that didn't happen or no, that person isn't going to be punished for this. And and so that trauma, so now they're traumatized again and again right. and again and again and again. So, And then if you have to live with it, if the people who oh. abused you and traumatized you are your family members yes, then- that you can't get away from. Um, yeah, and, you know, the, the whole family part of it, you know, they've, now know that trauma does change your DNA. Yeah, well, it, it, and it's there's another great book I highly recommend um, 
The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. And it's also another great book about how trauma stays in our bodies. And it, you know, and it just kind of sits there. Um, and I think we see this a lot too, where people do things like massage when people start getting into this mind body connection and doing this kind of body work. There's a lot of people out there that are doing different kind of, a lot of therapists out there, somatic therapy. And what they're doing is they're getting people up on their feet and like moving your bodies and your body in a certain way and doing certain breathing exercises and doing things to you know, to help them process the trauma. Yeah, because it's gener- it's generational. Yes. Um, yeah, and you, you see that just with generations of um, people who live in oppression. Yes, yes. Um, if you're an oppressed uh, a minority or whatever, like that stuff gets passed down. Mm-hmm. And obviously in this family, in the Hammer family, <laughs> yeah, obviously it's, environmental you know that they're all being raised in the same soup of stuff Mm -hmm. but you know it's it it also gets passed down genetically yeah so and i think what's interesting about the hammer um the documentary and just thinking about this family is we have such this idea of right like bad things happening to right the family with the single mom and in the uh living in the low class you know lower class neighborhood and you know you know here's a family with everything millions upon millions of dollars all the money in the world everything that you can have and they are being abused and abusing each other and treating each other horribly and then smiling and going to spend time with the king and queen right. you know or prince and princess at the time <laughs> right where as if as if it's as if there's nothing possibly that could harm them or anything that could touch them so all right oh god this is <laughs> this is exhausting we've got to start picking happier things yeah we need to we need to shift gears we've so, been doing a lot of heavy so we are going to be switching gears a little bit um but thank you so much for tuning in uh to this week's episode so if you enjoy this podcast please go to itunes and give us a five-star review and talk about how much you just truly enjoy this podcast um and if you have any ideas of podcasts or um things that you think topics we should be covering please let us know um, we're going to get a TikTok and Instagram and a bunch of other things together. But right now we're just trying to get these episodes out to you. So thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 